0: Lock Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany Spotlight on the on the state government. Zach Williams is with me and we're gonna talk about what else the coronavirus. So Zach, uh explain to us this week in Albany and the coronavirus.
1: Well, it was completely um, overshadowed everything else, uh, and I think, you know, the easy way to see that was just Monday and Tuesday when the state legislature didn't even meet, canceled both, you know, both the Senate and Assembly sessions for Monday and Tuesday, and it was only on uh, Wednesday when we even saw lawmakers uh, come to Albany and start voting on some bills. They did pass uh, two important pieces of legislation, one expanding uh, paid sick leave on an emergency basis and another one that changes some of the various uh, petition requirements, signature requirements for political candidates to get on the ballot. There was a very important deadline coming up and now um, a lot of potential uh, political candidates can breathe a little easier knowing that they can get on the ballot for the June primary. Um, the state senate also passed a bill that would increase the state's um, debt limit. Um, the assembly hasn't passed it yet, but I think lawmakers were thinking ahead there to, you know, kind of get that issue over and done with. I believe last year there was a little bit of a rumbling from state senators, uh, from Republican state senators who opposed that, um, you know, for out of uh, their state reasons being fiscal responsibility, kind of like uh, congressional Republicans. But, anyways, um, so two bills down in both houses. One passed the Senate. Um, you know, we wait to see when lawmakers will go back up to Albany, probably to you know pass the budget sometime early next week, which would be uh, well ahead of the April first deadline. But everything's really up in the air at this point.
0: You, when you turn the TV and a lot of times just see Cuomo on the air. You know, I know that the press conferences that he gives is in the executive chamber, correct?
1: He does it in his ceremonial office, what's known as the Red Room in the Capitol.
0: Okay, and when he appears on TV, when he's being interviewed, like the other night he was in, interviewed by his brother, and then he's been on the, you know, uh, Morning Joe and many other shows, where is he when he does that?
1: Well, it's hard to say. I, uh, I haven't seen every single interview he's done on television, so I couldn't know for sure. But my understanding would be that he would either be in, in his second floor office in the Capitol, maybe at the executive mansion uh, just south of the Capitol, or if he's in New York City at some of the various television studios. Um, just one thing for your listeners, if, if they do want to catch all of his various interviews, you can go onto his SoundCloud account, load um, all his different things, uh, as audio files, um, You know, usually pretty quickly after he appears on television. But yeah, I'd, I'd say for the most part, the governor has stuck in the Capitol. I think there might even be a ceremonial element to that. He wants to show that he's in charge, he's working, he's keeping state government going. And I think that's one of the big reasons why we haven't seen him skipping around the state, New York State, Buffalo, anywhere else, trying to be consular in chief. That's not to say that he hasn't popped up in different places from time to time, notably uh, opening these drive-through testing centers, uh, including one in Westchester last weekend. So, you know, we'll see him from time to time outside the Capitol, but for the most part, I think he, he and his staff have really been emphasizing just how much time he's in the Capitol Um, you know, how much is getting done, and kind of contrasting themselves on the side a little bit with the lawmakers who have been pretty absent from Albany in the past week, including uh, the legislative leaders.
0: So so one of the issues that I'm particularly interested in is to pay particularly because last year in the Albany Albany County Legislature that was voted down. So is there any difference between what was voted down last year in Albany County and what the governor is implementing throughout the state? Well,
1: so what was passed earlier this week was kind of one that was on an uh, emergency basis, if you will. Um, I believe, and I'm trying to recall all the specifics, Details, but basically, um, employers with ten or fewer employees, I believe, would get, um, you know, would um, would have to cover people that that missed work for purposes of quarantine from the coronavirus, and you know, it also there would be workers would have access to paid family even disability benefits for the period of their quarantine. So, it really, was tailored specifically to expanding the existing paid sick leave family leave, disability laws to apply to coronavirus specifically and we're going to have to wait until the state budget process itself, the state budget itself to see what happens with wider expansion of sick leave that the governor proposed earlier this year that a lot of Democratic lawmakers especially are supporting.
0: The uh, There was also a change in, in the petitioning process. Is the uh, primaries has, has the primary the day for the primary, has that been changed or is it still the same?
1: Well, for now, there's still an April 28th special election, which includes, um, you know, a congressional election in western New York. Um, and the June, I'm trying to remember the specific date, but it's in late June, uh, primary is still on. You know, we'll see what happens. There's a proposed by Senator Biagio of Manchester County. That would allow a, a huge expansion in absentee voting, um, which could help the elections get conducted, even if the coronavirus uh, outbreak still remains uh, really serious at that point. So we'll wait and see. But for now, the elections, uh, with the exception of the Queen special election here in New York City, which was um, postponed and canceled, the calendar is remaining the same.
0: You know, the the coronavirus is going to change the whole paradigm in which uh, politics will be conducted over the, uh, for the next several months. Do you envision a difference in the way candidates will be um, going for, for, for their election? Do you think uh, it'll be a lot different? Will they change their mode of operation?
1: Well, I think one wider theme with the coronavirus um, outbreak is, you know, many things are changing, but everything also kind of remains the exact same. You know, the governor still is the most domineering, even more so now, figure in state politics. As, um, as far as political candidates and how they campaign goes, um, I think, you know, <laughs> voter contact is always the name of the game. Um, It always has been in elections, you know, the more people you talk to, the greater name recognition you have, the better you tend to do. And I don't think that's going to change for for any candidate, whether they are rich like the Mike Bloombergs of the world, or relatively, uh, you know, unfunded, like some of these insurgent candidates. The thing that's going on now, though, is really exploring how digital organizing and especially video conferencing can be brought to force. You know, a lot of advocacy groups have turned to Zoom, and similar video conferencing tools to really um, get the word out, to get their supporters mobilized, exchange ideas in order to um, lobby for this. We've also seen a lot of these um, upcoming, you know, legislative challengers doing the same. You know, I'm thinking of some of these uh, democratic socialists of America back candidates here in New York city they have been especially active. You know, they had a lot of energy going into the campaign, um, you know, earlier this year. They lost some momentum, of course, because of coronavirus, but now we're seeing this resurgence where they're really trying to get the the word out. Um, A lot of candidates are trying. And, you know, while, you know, video conferencing is not new, I think what will be new is the ease with which you can get large numbers of people involved with minimal effort. You know, a lot of times you need, um, you know, keys, uh, you know, codes, phone numbers, all these different things. Now I'm, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people, Some more successful than others who are really just, you know, once, you know, making it easy for people to get involved. Once you have the link, you click on it, you're involved. If you want to chime in and ask a question, you can. You know, it's all about the interface right now. The easiest one that candidates use, the more likely they are to catch attention on social media from all these people that really have a lot more time now to get involved in politics. I heard just that point made by an advocate of raising taxes on the wealthy. You know, that while well, coronavirus has set them in many ways, they have much less access to lawmakers, for example. At the same time, they can't, you know, there's all these people who have more time. They're spending time at home, more time on the Internet. This could could be a boon for, um, you know, political organizing on the left. We'll just have to wait and see. But I think, you know, the name of the game right now is really figuring out how to best outmaneuver their opponents uh, on the Internet.
0: When you put the T V on and you watch the shows, you know, they talk about panic and anxiety. Do, you, do do you guys talk I mean the uh journalists yourself, do you talk amongst yourself about how long this will last? Nobody can know for sure but
1: Well, reporters are a chatty bunch, so we're always talking about all sorts of things. Um, You know, I think, you know, how long this will go on, um, nobody knows. There certainly have been a lot of theories put out there by reporters and by everybody, really. You know, we all have casual conversations with people. I think the important thing is that the media is really starting to recognize that the initial outbreak, quote-unquote, period of the pandemic is starting to draw to a close. You know, the, the first act, if you will. Now it's really, you got to figure out what's the long-term plan. You know, there's all sorts of different stories to cover everything from the ventilator shortage to, you know, how ordinary people are being affected by the economic downturn that really require a long-term strategy. You know, here at City and State, we're thinking the same thing. You know, what can we do to, you know, think beyond the next, you know, the daily news cycle and really get good information out there that is, you know, beyond just what elected officials are telling us, you know, for the most part, Governor Cuomo has received a lot of accolades for for being responsive, for getting good information out there, and for having press conferences every single day. This was not the case two, three weeks ago. You know, you barely saw the guy in the Capitol. Now he's doing briefings with reporters every single day. He said that this Mm -hmm. is going to last for six, seven, eight, nine months. I think reporters, by and large, are inclined to believe him, you know, whether or not, the, um, you know, people have to spend most of their time at home, you know, in in May or June. It's kind of besides the point as far as reporters go, because, you know, first you get the big story, then you get the reactions, and then you got these, quote-unquote, you know, day two stories where you're really figuring out, you know, what, you know, what is bigger, what are the bigger implications of what just happened? So, for example, you know, two weeks ago, Cuomo announced the first case, the number's been creeping steadily higher and higher and higher. Now we got more than 7,000 as of Friday evening. Um, you know, now we're starting to see reporters delve more deeply into, you know, um, everything from, you know, prisons and how people there are being affected. You know, is the Cuomo administration, are they following up what they announced with actual actions written in legal language in those executive orders? Because that's really what's happening is what's put down into words on paper. And I think before long, we're going to start to see these very broader, longer term pieces that really, you know, show what was that the sum total of all these different parts is, uh, you know, that the whole story is much bigger than the sum total of all of its parts. So, you know, to answer your question, yes, reporters are, are talking about this. I think, you know, I think in terms of our own work, this is a story that's not going to be going away for a very, very long time. And you only need to go back to the 2008, 2009 economic recession to see that before we're doing stories that include, you know, that were in the context of that economic recession for, you know, arguably years after the stock market actually crashed.
0: So um, I'm, I'm having a hard time concentrating this evening. Um, what, what seems to be the relationship between Trump and Cuomo at this point, from your understanding?
1: Well, as of Tuesday morning, it might have been Wednesday morning, I think it was Tuesday morning, you know, Trump was hacking Cuomo on Twitter, doing what he does, saying that you know, Cuomo was not doing enough, when in fact the whole interaction began because Cuomo – was noting kind of the the lethargic, if you will, uh, federal response to the outbreak. You know, it was just a few weeks ago where Trump was calling it a democratic hoax. You know, let, let's not forget that mm-hmm. relationship in recent days. Things have been the governor do what you really got to do to accomplish them. Thanks. And all of a sudden, um, you know, you can get a very different reaction from Trump. His, Cuomo's effort to get the news to come to capacity is the important days, Uh around the weekend at the beginning of the week even you know Cuomo was was kind of in attack mode
0: saying, you
1: know, um they're funding going Finally, he got uh, I think on twitter homo had his press conference and i think you know you could he didn't say it explicitly but i could definitely see it that he had decided you know for for very good political reasons and you know that um he needed to be the bigger person in this to let trump's attacks go and just say you know this isn't democrats this isn't republicans we need the army corps of engineers to get in here blah 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 you know it's um I don't think he found any secret about the president. People have noted for years at this point that if you say nice things, you get nice things out of Trump. And that, was, that proved to be the case with Cuomo's efforts to get the Army Corps of Engineers sent by the president up here to New York. And he's even getting a uh, naval um, hospital ship that will arrive in about two weeks once it's done with some repairs down south. So I'd say so far so good. Cuomo was just on Sean Hannity's uh, radio program a little bit ago, uh, you know, in the early evening on Friday.
0: So uh-huh.
1: you know, I think for for right now, the president is playing nice with Cuomo. Cuomo is reciprocating that, but you never know with the president. Um, just you know. <laughs> at the same time that he's been playing nice with Cuomo, he's attacking reporters at his news conferences for asking uh, a pretty mm-hmm. run of the mill question. You know, this, this, I'm talking about this NBC reporter that just asked, you know, what would he say yeah. to Americans that are scared and Cuomo, mm-hmm. you know, and Trump just says fake news. So I can ask him with the president. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Cuomo for all of his faults, realizes that if he just kind of takes a deep, deep breath and, not uh, react to every single thing from the president, he's going to get a lot a lot uh, more out of him. You know, you, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar, right?
0: Uh, when do you think it really hit home with people uh, and they realized, hey, this is serious? Because there were the pictures of, of young people on spring break in Florida, you know, at the beach. When do you think people finally realize, hey, this is really something that I have to pay attention to?
1: Well, like a lot of things, it depends who you're talking to. If you're asking people in the state, uh, state capital press corps, it was like two weeks ago when Cuomo strong armed the lawmakers into passing that emergency powers thing. Um, I think in the last couple days we've seen the quote-unquote you know red america trump america if you will um, start to take this seriously by following the president's lead on that now again a week or two ago two three weeks ago he was saying this was all a hoax there's nothing to worry about you know the common flu is much worse than coronavirus that's all changed in the last couple of days and i think good reason why is reality is setting in you know now we got thousands and thousands of cases in the country Death tolls are starting to mount. It's not just, you know, one here, two there. Um, you know, we're really seeing a very serious spike in coronavirus cases and the associated hospitalizations and deaths. So I think, you know, the, the President Trump side of America has, has been recognizing that. Democrats have been a little bit ahead of that. Um, you know, maybe a, a week or two ago, we saw like the real turning point. Um, but you know, just in the last couple of days, anybody that 's not taking this seriously in New York State, especially New York City, has you know got to be uh, living on another planet. you know They just issued a um, you know Cuomo, we can call it a um, you know a a quarantine order per se you can you can leave your house, and go exercise and go to the grocery store and some other things. But you know society is shutting down it 's been very systematic. Day by day, the Cuomo administration has escalated its actions, but they've also couched it in rhetoric that has urged um, New Yorkers to, you know, to, to take a deep breath, to not be overly um, anxious and scared. Um, you know, at some point, uh, probably a few months from now, we'll evaluate just, you know, how well the Cuomo administration handled this crisis. But I think, you know, if you're going to take a, a city – Um, New York, you know, seven million or or so people and gradually, you know, calm it down and shut it down and, and basically keep most people at home, which is what they're doing now, you're going to want to do it in little pieces. And I think in terms of changing daily life, I bet there's a few people today that are starting to think, wait, wait a second, a week, a week ago, two weeks ago, you know, they started doing this, and all of a sudden, uh, nobody's allowed to go to work except for essential workers, you know, from essential businesses like grocery mm-hmm. stores and emergency services and, of course, the media. Thank you, Governor Cuomo. Um, you know, people are seeing. You know, going to realize, like, wow, you know, when did all this happen? It's been happening the whole time. There was no single turning point. I think the Cuomo administration has quite deliberately just added a little bit more each day to make people really not know what hit them. And in this case, that might actually be a good thing.
0: Just a few days ago, maybe maybe even less than a week ago, there was only two confirmed cases in Albany County. Now there's 61. So how many are there in Manhattan? How many known cases in Manhattan?
1: Uh, I don't. I don't have the county, the borough by borough breakdown in front of me. There are, I believe, over four 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 hundred cases confirmed in New York City, and I think as of uh, this uh, this uh, morning it was sixty one in Albany County. Um, you know, one important thing, and I'd be remiss if I didn't make this point is that, you know, confirmed cases are different than total cases, right? Nobody knows how many people had coronavirus. Especially since, you know, some like three quarters of people that, that, you know, that get the virus and potentially can spread the virus don't even exhibit uh, symptoms. And even when they do, they might just mistake it for the common flu or something else. Bottom line, you know, three out of four people more or less don't get seriously sick from coronavirus. However, the other quarter, other 20 percent or so, you know, do get seriously sick a lot of them are the older people or people with underlying health conditions, but a lot of young people too. Some about I'm hearing like a quarter of the hospitalized cases are actually, you know, people that are relatively young, people under 40, people in their twenties and thirties, especially. So yes, there are thousands of cases right now across the state, 7,000 actually as of Friday morning, but you know, common sense would say that there's probably, probably, and the governor agrees uh, with this one, is there's probably tens of thousands of other cases that have happened already in New York. The only way we're ever going to really know for sure is if they get this test for the antibodies for the virus. Those are the things that will show you that you have contacted the virus before, your immune system acted on it, and actually fought off the infection. You know, we can know – what diseases anybody had by the antibodies? You know, I had chickenpox when I was a kid. Somewhere in my blood is the antibody for chickenpox. Now we wait the test to see the antibodies for coronavirus, and only then, and only of course if enough people do the test. So it is a state of eight, you know, of 20 million people or what, whatnot. Only then will we really know the full extent of the outbreak. So. You know, the numbers of confirmed cases are going to keep going up. They're going to get much more dramatic. You know, we we had like 4,000 on Thursday. Now we have 7,000. It is uh, exponential, but nobody knows how far and why the virus has actually gone at this point.
0: Now, I think you and I discussed last week the origins of coronavirus. Didn't you say it started with a bat? Can you explain that?
1: Well, I don't know for sure, and nobody knows for sure, but most diseases, or at least a lot of them, tend to come from domestic animals or other mammals, you know, whether it's swine flu from pigs, um, the bubonic plague, you know, centuries ago from the ticks that are on rats, you know, I believe syphilis is from pigs, you know, all sorts of diseases, you know, they come from other animals, and I'm sure we give them to them too, and the whole reason for that is, you know, we're not so different from cows and and pigs and um, you know and rats even um, from a you know a biological standpoint you know their germs uh, work in ours in our system. so what I have heard and I heard this even repeated as late as yesterday from a reputable source is that scientists suspect that coronavirus came from bats how it transmitted to humans nobody knows
0: could have okay. been
1: you know their droppings in somebody's house and somebody didn't realize it and touched their face. You know, it could be anything, but, um, you know, it, it seems at least at this point pretty sure that it came from another mammal, and all I've heard is that it uh, might have come from bats.
0: Okay. So, if it started with one person, just one person, and now there's a pan- pandemic worldwide, that seems so baffling to the mind, don't you think?
1: Well, I mean, you know, we are officially in a pandemic, Um, you know, according to the World Health Organization. You know, that doesn't mean that everybody gets sick at at the same time. That doesn't mean that, you know, people are dropping dead left and right. It just means that there is a widespread infection that is making people sick. And like the Spanish flu of 1918, which, um, you know, I heard today an interesting bit of history was not named the Spanish flu because it came from Spain within the Spanish flu, just because um, in revolutionary Spain, where there's a civil war at that time, uh, or I'm sorry, correct me on that, that part, but that basically uh, reporting on in Spain, because it was a neutral country in World War One, I, I meant, um, was a little bit more transparent about the danger of the virus. And that might have been where the name came from. That said, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, that flu, you know, took a year or two to really and coronavirus as a whole will probably never disappear you know we may or may not get a vaccine to it we may or may not get an effective treatment to it but i think odds are from uh, you know the virus itself this little itsy bitsy Biological being that's so much smaller than even, uh, you know, uh, unicellular bacteria, you know, is going to be on this earth for, you know, a very long time.
0: So you know, they talk about testing. There's not uh, the testing has to be ramped up so everybody can get a test. But then there's the whether it's a vaccine or 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 a cure. That that really hasn't been talked about. All they talk about is respirators and hospital beds. So I'm thinking this could go on for a long time. Am I correct?
1: I'm, I I beg your pardon. What was that last bit? It cut out.
0: Okay. Um, the, the, the there's talk of you know the uh, vaccine... There's talk about a cure. There's talk about hospital beds and ventilators. you think this is going to go on for a long time?
1: I mean, the governor said this week that we can expect it to reach a peak in six weeks. That's about, uh, you know, the end of April, the beginning of May. I don't, you know, I don't, think that there's going to be a a vaccine, much less one that's been distributed to 20 million people in the U.S., much less, you know, over 300 million across the country in time to prevent, you know, mass infections across the population. It's just, you know, we're a free society. Everybody's got people we're in daily contact with, even, you know, despite the limitations on uh, social uh, contact now, you know, coronavirus is going to be around um, a while and, you know, the numbers are going to increase dramatically in the next week or two you know I think in two weeks for example it is entirely possible that we're going to start to see in in New York State even possibly nobody knows everything could change but we might very well start seeing you know death tolls that are uh in line with what we're seeing right now in Italy you know hundreds of people are dying every single day in Italy a modern industrialized country and the same could very well happen in the United States. Only in the next, uh, you know, coming days, the next week or two, and how uh, both state officials and gov- you know, and federal government officials react to it will really, you know, decide whether things get as bad here as they've been in Italy and
0: been in China. Wow. So it seems as if the time is up for this week, and this is a conversation you and I will have next week. But uh, like I always say at the end of the show, give yourself a little plug.
1: Well, I'm the uh, I'm a state politics reporter with City and State. People can follow the latest updates with the coronavirus up outbreak and everything related to state politics on my Twitter, which is at Zach with an H reports. Or they can sign up for the newsletter I do every day, again, with the latest developments in the coronavirus and state budget process at cityandstateny.com.
0: Thanks, Zach. We'll talk next week. And I, I look forward to seeing you during the week at Cuomo's press conferences. So you've been listening to Focus on Albany, Spotlight on State Government. I've been talking to Zach Williams. I'm Cynthia Pooler. And if you like this show, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Zach, have a good week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and the same for all of our listeners. Stay safe and stay healthy. Have a good day.